morning, Grace. How we doing? And you guys are so much better than the 9 o'clock service, let me just say that, on, on energy and excitement to be here. But I have a problem, though, and uh, I don't know who, whose idea it was to give the youth pastor the mic, but I'm here to engage the whole crowd, okay? And so I heard from the front rows, um, and so I really just need to hear from the back of you guys, and, and I want to hear your voices, hear your passion to be here at church. And so are you guys ready to hear from God this morning? Come on. Thank you. That's great. That's great. Um, like Mo said, my name is Dan Calhoun, and I get the honor and privilege of being the youth pastor here at Grace. And it, it truly is the joy of my life sometimes to hang out with your middle and high school students. Um, it's really great. It's a ton of fun. And so I'm excited for what God has placed on my heart to unpack a little bit of, of what landed us here and where we're going this morning is honestly what I saw in the next generation, what I saw in youth, what I wanted to speak to in sixth through 12th graders um, has really kind of been, been something that God has grabbed a hold of my heart to, uh, or brought me into this realization that it's not just for youth, that it's for us too. And so uh, to take you on a journey, about a week ago, we had our youth conference that was absolutely incredible. We had 45 students um, a part of that. It was the first time we did that as a ministry, um, and it was a ton of fun. And the biggest thing that we communicated to the youth that weekend was this, that they are not the next generation, but they are actually the right now generation. That what God wants to do in, in their generation is God wants to use them right now where they are, um, to build the church. Um, and I believe that, not just about the next generation, not just about them, but I believe that also about those of you in this room this morning, that God has a word for you, that God has an action for you to take, a step to take, and that step he's gonna call you to take this morning right now. It's not gonna happen next Sunday. It's not gonna happen the next We Pray event. It's not gonna happen at the next fill in the blank. God's calling you to action and to move right now this morning. So that's my belief. That's my belief for this time. So before we get too deep into things, um, let's do this. If you brought your Bibles or maybe you charged your, your Bibles last night, you can pull up Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we're going to be this morning. Before we dive into that, I just need to take a moment to come clean about something. Can I do that? Um, I need to come clean about something. I need to have a moment of confession that, to be honest with you, has taken me a really long time to get to this place, to get to this realization, okay? This realization is this, that for me, for my wife, in this season of life that we find ourselves in, we happen to be absolutely exhausted, tired. Like, if I'm just being honest, we're, we're emotionally, physically, really, really tired. And that's not because I hang out with middle schoolers for a living, although it would be easy to assume that. It's not because I've found some great hobby that I dedicate so much of my time to. Um, it's none of those things. There's a very specific reason, but before we get to that, we have to understand a journey that I've been on um, over the last five years or so. And so to unpack that, though, we need to start in high school for me. And so on the screens, you'll see a picture of, of me from high school, and you'll notice some, some stark differences, okay? Not much different, um, but uh, 
Obviously, I have long hair, but really what this season of life marked for me as a high school student was a season of life where I was energetic, where I was full of life, where I was full of vitality and ready to just attack life. It was great. It was amazing. And uh, I had the right people around me. And so this doesn't have much to do with the message, but I would be remiss if I didn't take an opportunity to to share a picture of the crew that I hung out with in high school. They're going to be on the screen. Believe it or not, that is Pastor Des and Aaron Wadsworth and Zach Wadsworth. And Aaron was my best friend. And and honestly, I want to just take a moment to honor Pastor Des because honestly, if it wasn't for him and his impact in my life, I would not be here right now. Um, And so we are so blessed to have an incredible pastor. But that's who I was surrounded with, and that's who I was energetic with, and that's who I attacked life with. And it was amazing. I had long hair. I was a beach bum. I worked at a jet ski rental company, living the life. And I know you're wondering, what happened? (laughs) Well, let me tell you. So many of you know, as Mo said, I'm married to Sarah. She is um, way more than just my, my better half. She's incredible. Um, and we got married almost five years ago now. And about eight months into marriage, eight or nine months into marriage, something happened that totally changed the tra- trajectory of my life. We started having kids. And so we had kids. There's a picture of them up on the screen. And I know, they're so sweet sometimes. Um, They're awesome. And so we had kids. We had a honeymoon baby. Zion was our first child. And so we jumped right into it. And and he's three years old right now. And uh, that was super fun. And then uh, shortly after Zion, approximately 11 months or so, we had our second child. And uh, as of yesterday, she is also three years old. Um, And then we had a third child almost immediately after uh, Aiden, our second child named Riley. And we had for a season three kids, two and under. It was a joy. And let me be abundantly clear on one thing. They are absolutely the reason that I'm utterly exhausted. They are absolutely the reason that I am utterly exhausted. See, the reality that I face when I finish up my workday here today is I'm going to go home and we're going to finish the rest of our our night together as a family. We're going to put the kids down and then we'll have about an hour worth of cleaning up and and trying to reset our lives after the crazy day with three kids. And uh, then about around 9.30 or so, Sarah and I will go to bed. And this phenomenon happens in our lives where at some point in the midst of the six to eight hours of sleep that we get, if, if we are lucky, we will manage to be interrupted in our sleep by three separate kids on many different occasions. And so it's safe to say we are absolutely exhausted. And to be clear, we were not ready for that. Three kids, three years, three years in our marriage, uh, the first three years in our marriage of Sarah being pregnant, let me tell you, avoid that. (laughs) Give it some, give it some time. (laughs) Let it breathe. Um, When we first started having kids, we had two groups of people who would come up to us and in, in the best way that they knew how, they would love on us and give us completely unsolicited advice that never worked. And uh, that was a, a mix of like, okay, thanks, but also a little bit frustrating because the two sides of people and almost nobody in between were this. There were, there were the group of people who would come to us and they would say, hey man, listen, 
It's only getting worse, okay? Right? They would come to us and they would be like, just wait until the terrible twos, or just wait until they're three nagers, or just wait until, and then they would continue to share a crazy story about how horrible parenting has been for them. And I'm thinking, Sarah and I are thinking, oh, great. This is fantastic. Specifically when we had our first two and they were 11 months apart and what's known as Irish twins, um, we had a lady come up to Sarah at the store and she was like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be the worst thing ever. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, maybe not so pessimistic. And so we had that group of people and then on the total opposite side of things, we had the group of people who were the eternal optimists. And they would tell us with an infant, they would be like, hey, it's only getting easier. Wait until they can walk. Wait until they can talk and explain their feelings. Not true. Um, (laughs) Wait until fill in the blank and they would try to give us hope saying, it's only getting easier from here on out. Two, Two extremes coming around us. And what we really probably needed was not the extremes. We probably needed somebody to come alongside of us and say, hey man, it's gonna be a journey. It's gonna be a process. There's gonna be a lot of pits and peaks and highs and lows. It's gonna be wild, but it's gonna be worth it. We needed somebody with the realistic in-between of both experiences to say, hey, this is gonna be a long journey. We needed somebody to come around us and say, hey, we're gonna be with you every step of the way. We're gonna help clear the road for you guys. We're gonna be with you on this journey. We needed somebody to to tell us, hey, it's a long road and it's only beginning. What I wanna be for you this morning is that person in the journey of faith that you find yourself on this morning. I wanna be that person who can come around uh, aside you and tell you, hey, this thing that we call faith, wherever you find yourself on that journey of faith this morning, it it is just that. It is a journey, and there will be highs, and there will be lows, and there will be pits and peaks and painful seasons and fun seasons, and if we're honest, some boring seasons. There will be some seasons in your life where it will feel like you can't seem to slow down your life, and seasons where you feel like you can't seem to get things going. Let me tell you that it's going to be a journey, but that journey of faith is worth it. And what I know is this, that everybody in this room finds themselves, no matter what life circumstances, no matter what home life you're coming from, no matter what the context is in your life, you find yourself on a journey of faith. I know that because you wouldn't be in the room if it weren't true. And so like I said, I believe wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith this morning, God has a word for you. This journey of faith that we find ourselves on is what scripture references as a race, an endurance race. And so specifically, Hebrews 12, which is where we're gonna be this morning, says this. In in a few short verses, I believe that these verses will equip us to, to run the race. And so Hebrews 12, verses one through three says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you, grace, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I wonder if anyone's faint-hearted, a little weary in their faith this morning, tired of the way things have been going. I believe Scripture is going to give us some tools to equip ourselves with to run the race, to run this journey that we find ourselves on. And so three things if you're taking notes. Number one, the first thing that we need to do is we need to look at the winners. We need to look at the winners. What does it say? It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so great a cloud of witnesses, this therefore um, is referencing the chapter before, Hebrews chapter 11, where we find the, what a lot of people call the, the hall of faith in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 lists out these 18 individuals who are our heroes of faith. These 18 individuals who, by faith, it says, experienced and saw and was a part of a move of God. 18 individuals who, by faith, lived their life and saw God do some incredible things in and through them. Scripture is clear. It's calling us to look to those people, to the heroes of our faith, to the people who have gone before, who can tell us um, uh, and inform us on what we ought to do and how we ought to live our life. We look to the heroes of our faith. We look to those who have gone before. We look to the Old Testament. So now I know what a lot of you are probably thinking because it's what I used to think for most of my life, and, and it, it's this. I really have a hard time reading the Old Testament. Or I'm more of a New Testament guy. Or are you really telling me i got to go read the New Testament? I can't just stay in the New Testament, in the, in the self-help area of, of the, the Bible, is this really what I have to do? Well, the New Testament speaks to that and has something to say about it. Romans 15.4 says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. For whatever was written in the former was written for our instructions. We look to the past, to those who have gone before us, so that we can be informed on what our race looks like, on what our race should be like. We look to those people, and so I don't know what you're carrying in with you this morning, but are you dealing with some family issues? Well, guess what? We can look to, to Joseph, who, whose family sold him into slavery? Are you feeling like your job is too much to handle right now? Well, look no further than the life of Moses. Moses, who disqualified himself before God ever had the opportunity to qualify him. Are you struggling with wa wanting to give in to retaliation, to this extreme emotion that you may have of anger and frustration? Well, good thing we can look to David and how he responded to Saul when Saul aimed to take his life. 
The Old Testament is, is riddled and full of stories upon stories upon stories of heroes of our faith who have gone before us, who have lived the life that we've lived, the journey of faith that we've lived, and from their lives we can learn how to move forward, how to move past the impossible situations of our life. Here's the thing, though, about this cloud of witnesses. I don't believe that it stops just with the heroes of our faith. I don't think it stops with just the heroes of our faith because when we read this, when we read that they are a cloud of witnesses, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a, a heavenly set of bleachers and all of these heroes of our faith are now looking down on our lives unfold. It's not what it means. What it more likely means is that we've got this cloud of witnesses who are looking or, or who are here for us to cheer us on and to more literally bear witness to us that whatever we're facing in our life, whatever present circumstances we have before us, God's going to see us through it and it will be worth it. And so not only do we need these people from the Old Testament to bear witness to us, but we also need those who have gone before us in this space and in this room. We need community. We need people surrounded by us to come alongside us like, like we needed when we were first having kids and say, hey, this is going to be a journey, but God's weaving his story all throughout your life. That no matter what you face, no matter what circumstances approach you, no matter what lurks in the far off distance, God is going to work it out for your good and his glory. God's got this. We need people in every detail of our life to bear witness to us that God is working despite whatever circumstances we face. And so insert here an unapologetic plug for everybody in this room to be connected to a group. You need to be in community. You need to be in a community of believers, people who are in your every detail of your life, in the nitty-gritty of your everyday life, who can encourage you, who can push you, who can hold you accountable. We have to look to the winners, to those who have gone before. We have to look to the people in this space who can come around us when we don't have hope and have hope for us. We have to look to the people in this space who can come around us when we are out, fresh out of love, and who can love for us, who can hold us accountable, who can push us in our faith. Are you tired and are you weary? Are you faint-hearted in your faith? Could it be that that's your current state? Because you're trying to run the race alone without anybody to bear witness, to come alongside you, to, to walk with you in this life. What is it that you've tried to walk through alone that you're frustrated and, and at, ends with yourself on how to navigate? Could it be that what God is leading you to is to community, to, people to, to, to a group of people to love you, to lead you, to take care of you? What do we need to do? We need to look to the winners. We need to look to those who have gone before. Number two, the second thing we need to do is we need to look at ourselves. You need to look at yourself in self-examination. What does it say in the scripture? It says this, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I would love to welcome you guys into a, a discipleship journey 
that I have entered into with a former college student in this room. It's been a long and arduous journey, I'll admit, that has lasted a total of about one day so far. And it's been interesting to say the least. It's been with, um, many of you probably know her, her name is Erica Lovett. Uh, and she's great. She's, uh, she serves in our youth ministry. She helps out in all sorts of uh, ministries. And uh, the journey that we've been on in, in me leading her has been teaching her how to drive stick shift. It's been how to, teaching her how to drive manual. And so this journey, I'm just going to walk you through a little bit of, of what it's been like um, in the one time that we got out into the car and attempted to drive the car. Emphasis on the word attempted. We get into the car, okay? She's sitting in the driver's seat, and I'm explaining to her, you know, the three pedals, which can be intimidating at first, and how to shift and, and all the details. And I'm telling her, hey, you're going you're gonna to push the clutch down. You're going to put it in gear. You're going to slowly release the clutch. A little bit of gas. You're going to start feel the car move. And so she's getting it. She's tracking with me. And, and eventually it becomes time. We need to reverse the car out of the driveway. And so she puts it into gear. She's slowly releasing the clutch and pressing down on the gas just a little bit. And eventually we start moving a smidge until we lurch to a stop. She stalls out. We did that for a few times until finally we stalled our way out of the driveway, and 20 minutes later in one clutch, we're ready to start moving forward, okay? And so we find ourselves in the middle of the road. She's got it in first gear. We're ready to go, and, and we're still struggling, okay? And for the life of me, I cannot figure out what's going wrong. And at this point, it's beginning to get a little stressful because we got cars coming from both directions, and we're just flat out in the middle of the road. And at this point, I'm pulling whatever hair's left on my head out because I'm ready to take control, okay? And so I'm examining what could possibly be going wrong, what could possibly be preventing us from moving forward, and finally I come to this great realization. It's totally my fault. It's not yours, Erica. I come to this realization that we forgot to do one crucial step in order to drive down the road freely. We forgot to release the e-brake. I know, horrible, horrible. We forgot to release the e-brake. And Grace, I wonder if we're trying to run the race of faith that we are on, if we're trying to run down this journey of faith that we are on, we're frustrated because we can't seem to move forward because we just won't release the e-brake. We've got something in our life that is standing in the way from forward progress, and whether or not you can figure it out or not, there's something that we have to move out of the way. There's something standing in the way from us seeing freedom and running the race with endurance that God has set before us. Is your spiritual e-brake engaged? Is there something that is maybe clear or hidden in your life that is holding you back? What does the scripture tell us to do? It says, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely. We have to lay these things aside. And so we first need to identify what is, what is the weight in my life? Well, the weight that exists in your life could be anything that holds you back from forward progress. Anything that holds you back from spiritual success or, if, if you will, John 15 language, from spiritual fruitfulness. 
anything that is standing in the way of you progressing in spiritual maturity. This could be seasons of pain that you won't let go. This could be good things in your life that, won't, that you won't let go. We've got a weight that we're clinging to that we won't release. Maybe somebody offended us, hurt our feelings. Maybe we're feeling alone and unwilling to take a step forward. There's something in the way of you moving forward and forward progress. And something that goes hidden most often is the reality that that thing, that weight that stands in the way could actually be a good thing. It could actually be a good thing. And so maybe what God is calling you to this morning in, in faith is to release something that is good for something that is God. Maybe what God is calling you to is to actually say no to a good thing so that you can experience God's best for your life and release the e-break. Or maybe it is a sin in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a lust. Maybe it's unfaithfulness. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's fill in the blank. What I know to be true is that the moment I said maybe we have a spiritual e-break on, everybody in the room was probably able to identify at least one thing that may, just maybe, be standing in the way of spiritual progress for us. We have to release the e-break. We have to be willing to lay aside the things that are holding us back, and that can be a hard thing to do. The reality of the flesh is this, that we, we desire sometimes to sin. We desire the flesh. We desire these weights. We cling to these things, and they cling to us. And the step we need to take is to, is to come forward, come down to the altar, and in, in explicit confession, release the weight of sin that clings so closely to you in your life. When I consider the heroes of faith, or, or honestly, anybody in the world who has gone before and done something great, when I consider their lives, there's one thing that pops up that led to um, their greatness, if you will. There's one thing that continually pops up in their lives, and it's not how talented great people were. It's not how gifted they were. It's not how hard they worked at it. It's not how disciplined they were pursuing it. The thing that separates them is, how, is their willingness to sacrifice everything for the one thing. Their willingness to sacrifice good things, to sacrifice things that they want that may be bad for them, to sacrifice anything that is standing in the way of their ultimate goal. If your goal is to, is to run free on this journey of faith that you find yourselves on, if your goal is to run the race with endurance that God has set before us, before you, maybe you need to sacrifice some things so that you can pursue God with your everything. This is what Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Grace Community Church, we, if we are in Christ, if we have a relationship with Christ, we are a new creation people, set free to run the race that is before us. And when we cling to the things of the past, when we cling to the weights in our life, to the sins in our life, we're clinging to an old 
expired identity. We have to lay those things aside so we can run free. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are free from sin. You are free from the old. So why do you keep trying to run the race with the e-brake pulled? It's time to release it. It's time to let it go. It's time to lay it to the side. The last thing that we need to do is probably the most important of all. It's probably the most important of all. And honestly, if you only get one thing, if you only write one thing down, let it be this one thing that you're walking out of here with this morning. The last thing that we need to do to run the race that is set before us is we need to look at Jesus. We need to look at Jesus. Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus was willing to sacrifice everything so that we could run this race of faith that is set before us. And so we have to look to Jesus for everything. Looking to Jesus is, is not just a one-time decision that we make when we come down and, and pray with somebody or when we choose to get baptized or when we choose to give our life to the Lord. Looking at Jesus is not just a one-time decision. Looking at Jesus is more a posture of faith that we must assume on a daily, moment-by-moment, breath-by-breath basis. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, the one who ultimately went before, who came and lived the life and experienced the life that we are living today. And yet he perfected it. He experienced the sin, he experienced the pain, he experienced the struggle. We need to look to Jesus, who experienced all of that, and yet still never sinned. So looking to Jesus is not just a one-time decision, it's not just one prayer. It's an ongoing decision that whatever may come, whatever life is gonna look like moving forward, your resolve, your choice in your life is to look to him. And here's the reality of the life that Jesus lived. While it was perfect, Jesus had moments all throughout the gospels. He had moments that he stole away, often early in the morning, where he went to, to what the scripture calls the desolate place. What did he do there? He spent time with his father. Jesus exemplified this. And so if it's enough, if, if Jesus needs a relationship with his father, how much more do we need that relationship in our life? If Jesus time and time again went to the desolate place, went to the place to be alone with his Father, how much more do we need that in our life? When we're wondering where to go next, we look to Jesus. When we are wondering what our next step is, we look to Jesus. When we are uncertain about what life is gonna look like, we look to Jesus. 
when we're dealing with family drama, we look to Jesus. When we're dealing with health issues, we look to Jesus, who encountered and experienced all of that and perfected our faith. Seems so simple, and yet it is so profound. So profound. Why? Because what John 10.10 says is true. That we have an enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy God's best for your life. We have an enemy out there who is lurking. Who wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's best for your life. And when that enemy can't get you to sin, he'll get you to be distracted. He'll get you looking off in every which direction other than Jesus. So maybe your next step this morning is to simply recenter and refocus your true north on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I wonder what it would look like, Grace Community Church, I wonder what it would look like if we were a church, a gathering of people who were hyper-focused on Jesus. I wonder what it would look like if we were a church of hundreds, maybe thousands of people who it was their life mission, their goal to be committed to doing life together, to be committed to throwing off every weight and every sin together, to be committed to running the race with endurance, looking at Jesus. What could happen? I believe on the other side of that, we would experience revival. I believe on the other side of that, we might experience something that for a lot of us, we've never experienced in our lives before. Something that we could not ask or imagine. So what would it look like for you this morning to choose to look to the winners, to look to those who have gone before, to be committed and, and invested in a community, a small group of people? What would it look like for you to actually step out of the row that you find yourself in, come down, take a bold step, and experience the freedom that is in confession and laying the weight in sin at the feet of Jesus, what would it look like for you to take a bold step and maybe for the first time in a long time or maybe for the first time in your life, give your life to Jesus. Look to him, the founder and perfecter of your faith because John 10.10 10 says that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It says that Jesus came so that you could have life and life abundantly. I believe it to be true what I said, that everybody in here, everybody in this room has a step that they need to take in their journey of faith, in the race, in the, in the journey they find themselves on today. You have a step that you need and so here it is mapped out, the opportunity before you. 
our elders and our prayer partners are going to be down front. And, and what I want to do is take a moment and detail that out. And so to do that, I, I think it'd be great if everybody was standing and ready to respond. And so you can go ahead and stand to your feet. And so the choice before us is this. We can move or we can accept that we're okay with the e-brake being on. We can move right now or we can just be okay with a little bit of struggle in our faith. And so I believe that there are three people in the room this morning who need to respond to this Hebrews 12, this Hebrews 12 verses. Three people, and, and what we said was we need to first look to the winners. We need to look to those who have gone before. And so maybe what you need to do is take a bold step and find a way to be connected to a small group of believers who are going to spur you on in your faith. And so if that's you and you need, to, you need to respond that way by being connected to a group, what I want you to do, it's so simple, it's so easy, you can just pull your phone out and text Grace AZ to 94000. Get all the information you could possibly need on groups that are launching in the fall. Maybe for some of you, you're realizing in this moment that you're the one that has gone before that you're the one that has life experience, that has testimony of what God can do in and through your life despite impossible circumstances. What you need to do is you need to lead a group. And so our groups are launching in the fall and we've got this great goal to launch 10 new groups. Well, with that, we need some leaders to step up and to lead in this church. Would you be so willing to boldly step out in that? Just text Grace AZ to 94,000. You don't have to move. You don't have to go anywhere. Shoot a text. So simple. To the rest of you, it's going to require something a little more bold, a little more um, daring. It's going to require you to actually move out of the seat and the row that you find yourself in and take action to move. What we've been telling our, our youth is, is this, that they're not the next generation, they are the right now generation. And so what I believe about this space, about this setting, about you right now, is that your time to move is not next, it's right now. There's a weight, there's a sin, there's a God that you need to look at for the first time in your life. So would you be so bold to move this morning. Maybe you've got to wait in a sin. Your time is now to come front, come down front. They don't want to take 10 minutes. They don't want to take 15 minutes of your time. They want to take a couple minutes to pray with you so that you can experience the freedom that is in releasing the weight and sin that exists in your life.
Maybe it's a surrendering some sort of circumstance, some sort of drama that you're experiencing, the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's surrendering an actual sin that you need to have explicit confession about. This team is here so that you can take that step. Would you be so bold and move? The last group of people, you need to look at Jesus. You need to recenter. You need to find that true north once again in your life. You need to consider him who endured from sinner such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus, who came to earth assuming himself to be like us, who was 100% man, and lived a life that we could not live and die a death that we deserved. And he was risen three days later so that we could experience life and life abundantly, so that we could experience eternal life, so that we could be set free to run the race that is set before you. Would you look to him this morning? That's the opportunity laid out before us. Would you be so bold and respond? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your son. God, we thank you that you sent him so that we could run the race that is set before us. Jesus, I pray in this moment that you would grab a hold of every person's heart in this room that you would call them to action, to move, to be connected, to release a sin, Jesus. And to look to you and give their life to you. God, may we experience a movement of you in this moment. Holy Spirit, fall. Pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.